And now, Greenlight Reviews, hosted by Ann Elder and Les Roberts. Hey there, everybody. Welcome once more to Greenlight Reviews, the show on which we talk about the movies. I'm Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. And today, Ann, we've got to discuss a film called A Single Man. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, me neither. It is directed by Tom Ford, mm-hmm. also co-written by Tom Ford. The novel was written by Christopher Isherwood. Some years ago. Many years ago. Christopher Isherwood was a British writer, and he wrote the play I Am a Camera, which then got turned into the musical Cabaret. Right, and then he wrote this, and that was back in 1962. That's right, long time ago. And it stars Colin Firth as George Falconer. Colin Firth plays a professor at a college here in America, for some reason. With a great name. Yes. George (laughs) Falconer is a wonderful name. He is gay, of course, and his lover is Jim, played by Matthew Good. At the very beginning, the George Falconer character gets a phone call from a cousin of Jim's to tell him that Jim has been killed in an automobile accident, and George is told he is not welcome at the funeral. Jim's family does not accept the fact that Jim was gay, and so here he is all by himself with no one to turn to, and a long-time love has just been taken from him. And he is, of course, very, 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 very depressed, and he is thinking seriously of taking his own life. Actually, when the movie opens, you see a figure of a man swimming in a pool, and it's shot from underneath. And I got the feeling that that was to show us that he was drowning in grief. And I think that's the metaphor for the entire movie. This is a character that is literally drowning in his sorrow all the way through the film. But for a few moments, a couple of flashback scenes, and one kind of fun parting scene with Julianne Moore, who plays his female friend, Charlie, pretty much the movie is a sad and very bleak picture of a guy who just can't get over the loss of this great love. Well, you're absolutely right. It is a very sad movie. And because of that, I started to twitch a little bit. Listen, everybody has lost someone. We grieve, we sorrow, we get over it, and we move on. And I know that there are some people who don't. But if they are still with us and still existing, they find something to smile about every once in a while. And I just don't remember anything happening to George Falconer Mm -hmm. that made him smile, including the outrageous flirting of him by a young man, a student of his named Kenny, played by Nicholas Holt. And you start thinking for a while that, well, this is finally going to turn him around. This is going to lift him up out of his despair, lift him up out of the mud Mm -hmm. and the sorrow Mm -hmm. that he has Mm -hmm. wrapped himself in. Right. But whether it happens or whether it doesn't, you have to go see the movie. Okay. Well, I think we have to say that the movie really takes place on a specific day, and we follow Mr. Falconer as he goes to class, but we also know that he is plotting his own suicide. That will be the last day of his life. So... All the incidents that occur during that time frame, whether they're small, like the neighbor's kid irritating him and so on, all of these moments have deeper and more poignancy to them because they are the last time that any of these things will occur in the life of the soon-to-be-dead main character, George Falconer. 
It's a very intriguing concept. It is an intriguing concept, and I have to say that I thought Colin Firth was excellent. Colin Firth is always there. I mean, right. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor, very handsome. This is the first role that he's been given where he can really sink his gorgeous teeth into, and he does a great job. I think he does a great job, too. I think the other two young men are quite good. Julianne Moore is Julianne Moore. She is as beautiful as ever. There's not much to her performance here. I think she laughs a little too loud and too much. Well, she does play a boozy socialite. Yes. Ex-actress, party girl. Unfortunately, I'm always troubled when American actresses take on an English accent. Sometimes they're more successful than others. Gwyneth Paltrow comes to mind. She's always very good. And of course, Meryl Streep can do any accent. I just felt that this was kind of unauthentic, the dialect. And then when we have her trying to dance the twist when she's half looped. I thought that scene was morbidly depressing. It was. And again, it was a moment that you thought you were going to enjoy. I think, Anne, I went to see this film with great hopes. Right, right. And I just felt kind of... Let down by it? Absolutely. Thank you. I was looking for the word. Well, you know, I think we have to talk a little bit about what Tom Ford set out to do, and that was, I believe, it was in his vision as the director to create a mood here that was almost inert. There's a stillness about this movie that you feel from the first frame. And even when you see the professor interacting with his students and so on, there's still a kind of forced frivolity about those sequences. And you know that this is a man who's carrying his grief right out there for everybody to see like his heart is on his sleeve. Right. Now, Colin Firth doesn't overact here, and he doesn't overwhelm you either. I like the fact that he kind of pulls you in very slowly, creating this very quiet portrait of a man who is, as we said earlier, drowning in sorrow. There's something to be said, too, by the way that Tom Ford designed this picture. It's just as meticulous as his work is when he designs clothes. There's something about the way he constructs his scenes that is really very polished and quite excellent. It's just that the movie leaves you wanting more because I think that the book probably was a small novella, not a deep portrait of this guy, and I think that's what you end up with on the screen. Yeah, you do, and because of that, you don't get emotionally sucked in You know, I've seen a lot of films like this. I've seen a lot of films where either the man or the woman is in grief over a loss and they're trying desperately to figure out what to do about it, whether they don't want to go on any further or they do. Well, you know, it's one thing to be grieving. It's quite another to be wallowing in misery. And I have a feeling that that's what you thought was happening to this character. I felt it maybe not quite as strong as you did, but it's there nonetheless. And that makes the narrative a little bit dreary. Exactly. And because of that, Anne, and because... I did not get emotionally involved. I did at the beginning when he got that phone call from mm-hmm. the cousin mm-hmm. saying Jim was killed instantly and no, you can't come to the funeral. It's family only. And I was heartbroken. I thought, what a terrible uh-huh. thing to say to a person Correct. who has loved this man for years and years and yeah. years. And now he can't even come to the funeral. That's awful. But it never got any better. And <laughs> for that reason, I'm afraid I'm going to have to give it a yellow light. I wanted to give it a green light. I would certainly give Colin first the green light for his 
performance. Oh, for certain. But I think a single man, for me, gets a yellow light. Well, as it is, a single man offers up one single fine performance, and that is Colin Firth. So for me, I'm going to give the movie a strong yellow light. Okay, two yellow lights for A Single Man, written and directed by Tom Ford from a novel by Christopher Isherwood, and starring Nicholas Holt, Matthew Good, Julianne Moore, and the wonderful, interesting, and very good-looking, by the way, Colin Firth. Oh, we've got another movie to go to, Anne, and we've got to come back another time and tell everybody about it. I'm looking forward to that. Until that time, I'm Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that we're going to run into you, munching your popcorn and eating up every frame of the movies. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.